podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the King and AI podcast. My name's Kelly Cates and you'll be listening to my dad, uh, Kenny Dalglish, on this podcast and getting his thoughts on football issues about Liverpool, but also about other things as well. And the reason the podcast has come about is because of our family's charity, the Marina Dalglish Appeal, which was set up to raise money to help cancer patients and their families. So if you'd like to support that, that would be fantastic. As much as it's about raising awareness, it is also about the financial support, if possible. If you want to donate, you can go to anfieldindex.com slash MDA, or you can go to the Marina Dalglish Appeal website to find out a little bit more about the charity and the work that they do. It's worth having a read about. It's a really great charity and it's something that's very close to all our hearts. Enjoy the show. I'm Eddie Gibbs and welcome to another episode of the King and AI podcast here on Anfield Index Pro. Now we've not had the privilege to speak to Sakeni since the end of last season and we're delighted to welcome him back to the podcast uh, and can, Liverpool seem to be continuing where we left off last year Kenny but I need to ask you first how you are but also more importantly how's your sleep because uh, I've seen in those tweets you've been sharing with Andy Robertson this week that uh, you were keen for his book to uh, be a bit of a sedative for you. Slept like a log. <laughs> Only read the introduction as well and slept like a log. <laughs> I was disappointed. He's, I see he put a picture out with my book as a underneath the leg of one of the, the tables. And I thought he would have bought a table with four legs. <laughs> <laughs> and Lady Marina was also quick on the on the tweets as well, saying that you are you are the leg end. Yeah, but I, that's only because I don't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> I sent it about three times <laughs> and uh, of course we are no Paul Dalgleish uh, Paul's very busy in, uh, in with his work in Miami and uh, if you follow Paul on Twitter you'll see all those tweets about uh, how Miami are playing Pascal uh, every player touching the ball in a recent goal I saw which was fantastic to see but once again we have the privilege to be joined by uh, James Pierce of The Athletic and uh, for once the moniker of bad news Pierce can be put to one side and we can welcome good news Pierce to the show instead how are you James? Yeah I'm good thanks Eddie how are you you okay? Yeah, I'm very well, uh, obviously focusing on your tweets uh, as much as we can. And I think uh, you're certainly one of the first to break uh, both those uh, stories last week. Uh, a busy a busy few days for you, I imagine. Yeah, it was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what a difference a week makes. I think probably on the back of what was a bit of an unconvincing win over Leeds, there was probably a little bit of anxiety creeping in in terms of the lack of transfer business. And then, you know, within a few days, two massive deals done decisively and ruthlessly as Liverpool tend to do their transfer business these days and and then a you know a really impressive performance down at Chelsea and uh, everyone's back on a, a massive high again. Yeah we'll talk about those uh, two signings in details we go on. but before we get into the football we should uh, again mention as, along the lines of what Kelly Kate said at the top of the show there that all listeners we do encourage you if you can to uh, help us raise funds and awareness for the Marina Dalglish Appeal. Uh, thanks to all our listeners and subscribers who've continued making donations during this rather testing time for the planet. And uh, whilst we obviously accept uh, 
anything we can, the pinch is on a lot of you, anything you can donate, please do. And the link to do that is anfieldindex.com forward slash MDA, MDA for Marina Dalgleish appeal. And pledge whatever you can, it really is appreciated. Now, as I said there, Kenny, uh, the last time we had you on was just after the league was confirmed. Uh, and uh, since then, you had that medal presentation ceremony uh, night at Anfield. Now, you two have been fortunate enough to be getting to go to games. I'm the one that's having to watch them all on TV. But uh, What's your memories of that night and uh, how much of a, how much did you enjoy being up on that stage? And even though you're having to wear a mask, giving all the medals to, to Jürgen and the players. Yeah, it was a huge honour for me to be asked to go and present the players or half present the players with their medals. <clears throat> um, as I say, it's fantastic achievement by the, by the lads last year. Everybody concerned made a contribution <clears throat> and to see their faces and see how much they enjoyed it was brilliant. And uh, they missed out just a year before and people just, they're just assuming that they won the league last year. But the year before, they finished a point short. They won the Champions League. Before they won the Premier League, they won the World Club Championship. So I wouldn't say it was a flash in the pan. I think they're, on, they're in here for, for a good few years to come yet. The way that they go about the work, the attitude and the application they put in was fantastic. And uh, to see them get the medals, to see the smile on their faces, also showed you the hunger and the desire that's in them as well. And alongside Jurgen, who's been fantastic for the football club and fantastic for the players, I'm sure it will continue. And the team that finishes above them this year will have won the league. <laughs> I think you said that last year as well. <laughs> and it never right. happened. <laughs> <laughs> and James you were there obviously that night as well uh, it was uh, you were one of the very few I suppose Liverpool fans that were allowed in the stadium due to your work uh, what are your recollections of that now I know you've spoke about this already but it's good to kind of look back obviously you saw Kenny up on the stage you saw all the fireworks how do you think the club and the Premier League did in uh, what would have been a tricky uh, tricky thing to pull off yeah do you know I, I thought it was as good as it possibly could have been um I, I must admit, I did think, you know, is this going to be a bit weird having the the trophy presentation in an empty stadium? And but I, I really like the the idea of building that podium in the cop, and you know, obviously a lot of a lot of time and effort and expense went into it. But um, I think it really added to the sense of occasion, and you know the fact that the players, all right, the fans weren't there, but you know to to receive that trophy after that thirty year wait in the cop, surrounded by all those iconic banners and flags was really special. And, and even the way they did it with, you know, the, um, you know, dimming the lights so you couldn't see the empty seats on three sides of Anfield. And I, I, yeah, I thought it was, it was special to be there, like emotional, you know, a massive honour as well to be one of the few allowed in. Um, and of course, it, it, you couldn't help but think what it would have been like if there'd been 54,000 people in that stadium that night but um yeah in the circumstances it was it was as good as it possibly could have been i just hope that uh with this delay in the virus i just hope we don't forget that we've got a tour of the city to come as well so, uh, <laughs> when, when everything's a bit better and it's much less of a, a threat to go and watch it then i'm sure we put the tour of the city on round, us, round for the boys to go and really let the punter see what the, the, the Premier League trophy looks like because I've not seen it for a while. 
In fact, I don't think they've seen it at all. <laughs> I think the last time was when you were in town with Blackburn Rovers. <laughs> That's the closest they've got to a presentation anyway. the uh, Obviously, I had this vision of... Uh, before this week's news, obviously, of them all dressed in Santa suits on the top of an open-top bus going around the state. But I think uh, I think that one's been put paid to now because I don't think there'll be uh, there'll be much happening this this winter with what's going on. But uh, we digress. Uh, let's move on to those transfers, then, James. And uh, obviously, the two players I've heard you, I've seen I've seen you writing about them, and I've seen you speaking about them. But it's good to kind of touch on touch on. Now we've seen Tiago for once. I know it was only forty-five minutes, but we have seen something of him. Uh, has it? Did we see what you expected to see, shall we say? I mean, Jürgen said that he came on at the perfect time for him when they were going to be down to 10 men. It was a good, great opportunity to, to make that change. Uh, was it exactly as you expected? Did you see anything different? Is this, is this where you expect him to play and what you expect him to, to be this orchestrator going forward? It seemed like everything was going through him. I mean, for a team that's just done what Kenny just described, that's just gone and won all these things and been so successful, that seems like a big sea change to go from the way they play to orchestrate and through a central pivot in the deep lying playmaker role. Yeah, I, th I think he just, he was everything. I think on, on Sunday when he came on, as you, you thought Liverpool were getting when that, when the news came through that the deal was done um, last Thursday morning, I think you know, he's just an absolute class act, isn't he? I think anyone that would have watched Bayern's march to, to win in the Champions League at the back end of the last season could only have enhanced your desire as a Liverpool fan that, that that saga linking Liverpool with Thiago would end in a, in a positive conclusion. Um, it was really interesting listening to Pep Linders um, just, just before we came on the podcast then talking about, for him, you know, one of the big benefits of signing Thiago is to keep Liverpool unpredictable. Um, you know, he said it's about having different strings to our bow, different ways to, to, to surprise teams. He said, you know, and I think what he was getting at there was that quite often Liverpool's attacking creativity comes from the wide areas, doesn't it, with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson. And you know, I, I don't think Liverpool's midfield has been absolutely sensational in terms of the achievements of the last couple of years. But I just think Thiago is a different type of player again. I think, and again, of course, it was pleasant circumstances for him at Stamford Bridge, them down to 10 men, no real pressure on him. Um, but he, he's so progressive with his passing. He always, that doesn't take the easy option. He always looks to make things happen. Um, and I just think he'll give Liverpool a massive threat through the centre of the park that, that maybe maybe we haven't had at times. And um, I think that's especially key against teams that park the bus, which is going to happen increasingly um, because there is this fear factor with Liverpool now. And I just think with his ability to to thread passes through the most you know the, uh, the most deep line of defensive is defenses is going to be a massive asset. And Kenny, what did you make of uh, Thiago's debut? Oh, well, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think uh, saying he, he doesn't take the easy option. He will take the easy option if it's the correct option. That's the best thing about him. The decisions he makes and his passing, the distribution of his passing, both of them are quality. And he's already broken the Premier League record. <laughs> coming on 75 complete passes and he was only on 45 minutes but he is he loves to caress the ball his passing is it's got an instruction instruction leaflet with it when you get it you know where you're supposed to go with it you know what direction you're going in uh, 
and he, he is a fantastic signing for us. And I think also him coming in uh, gives it a slightly different dimension to the middle of the pitch, but doesn't make it any less effective. He gives it effect in another way. And I think it also allows Jürgen the opportunity to play Fabinho at centre-back, which he did at the weekend. And you see the way that Fabinho uh, handled Werner twice. Uh, tried to go at him in the box, caught him one-on-one, -on -one, took it off him. So maybe Fabinho's going to be moved back there if Joe Gomez isn't fit or Matip's no fit. Uh, Fabinho could be sitting back in centre-back. He could be playing beside Virgil and Thiago playing front of him. But I'm sure uh, the game on in, in Sunday was ideal for him. I thought Jürgen had made a, a tactical change, but similarly it was Jordan who was injured that brought it. That's why he came on. But I thought he was going to come on anyway. I don't didn't know, think at half-time, but I thought he would have come on it to play because when you've got somebody in that, without passing ability, you've got to use them when you're against 10 men. Bad enough playing against 11, but to play against Thiago as well, whose distribution is superb, was a big ask for Chelsea. And to be fair to Chelsea, they came back quite well. We, don't forget, Alisson had a, had a fantastic save for the penalty kick. For Jorginho, I think that's the first one he's missed. So all in all, they're all chipping in together. And, if, uh, if Jot is half as impressive as Thiago was in the first game, first game for Liverpool, then we've got a lot to look forward to. On that, on that Fabinho harder. point, it'll be harder for Jota to get a game. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that Fabinho point that you mentioned, uh, it's something that I recall happening with you as manager a couple of times, where you've moved a player that people would traditionally think as a, a more forward-thinking player, or but a passer. I think you did it with Jan Moby a couple of times. You deployed him in a sweeper role or, or even at centre-half a couple of times. And did you do it with Paul Warhurst at Blackburn a bit as well? I think it's not, it's not something new, is it? This moving a player that would traditionally play in a midfield or a forward position back as a defender. I moved Jan back because I thought I might get a game. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just you make decisions every day in your life as a manager. More than one, obviously, and it, that's that was quite relevant. If you're going to have a lot of the ball, you want someone on the ball who's going to be good with their distribution. Paul Warhurst went centre, he was a centre back to start with, came in, he turned centre forward at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but he had great pace, so maybe in that, that particular game, they needed somebody with a better pace at the back. So it's, it's just about making decisions. And, but you see, isn't it always right? And doesn't it always work? But sometimes it doesn't. Usually you hear about it more when it doesn't work. And James, we'll speak about Jota a bit more in a moment, but obviously there's a debate now, and I think you've quelled this as much as you can, about whether Liverpool will go back into the market for a centre-half, given the uh, injuries to uh, Joe Gomez and uh, the slightly longer-term one that we expect for Joel Matip, and uh, previous fitness issues. But the talk is that uh, Billy Cometo could be the option there, if, if need be. I mean, he's very young, but he's very big. <laughs> is, is that your understanding of what's going to happen still as, as we speak today? Yeah, that's that's how I understand the club's stance at the moment. I mean, you can never never say never while the window's still open because you know suddenly a minor injury becomes a a more serious setback. Then who knows if a 
if a deal, other, another deal presents itself. But um, yeah, as things stand today, my understanding is Liverpool aren't intending to to bring in another centre back. Klopp regards Fabinho as as essentially the the fourth pick. Um, you know, of course, behind Van Dijk, Gomez, and, and Matip, and massive hopes for young Billy Cometio, you know, only seventeen, but. Um, I know he made a huge impression on the manager and on Pep Linders and the rest of the staff during pre-season with his ability, but you know, just in terms of his attitude and his application, um, both at Melwood and during that training camp over in Austria. So, um, so yeah, they're they're really excited about Cometio. You know, I think obviously keen not to burden him with too much expectation at this stage, but um, but yeah, I think that that seems to be the stance at the moment that um, that he's got Fabino that. Of course, he absolutely excelled in that position down at Chelsea, and uh, and and certainly I think we'll we'll see Cometio certainly in the domestic cup competitions this season, and and maybe a, a Premier League debut at some point as well. I would be a bit it? careful. I'd be a bit careful with that. I think it's just if depending on the the injuries that Matip and Joe Gomez have, will depend whether they go for. For another centre back, if they can find one. But the great thing is, where everybody's scrambling looking for one, we're spoiled for choice. <laughs> so we've got an, an advantage somewhere along the line with some of them. But Billy looks a good player, but he, he missed a fair bit of last season with injury as well. So yeah. I wouldn't be throwing too much at the young boy. And I don't know where your understanding comes from, James, whether it comes from yourself or some insider knowledge. But I don't think they'll be rushing him anywhere in any time soon. <laughs> there we go. Are you questioning my sources, Kenny? No, I thought you were going to tell us. Just to justify <laughs> what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, that's a rabbit hole we can go down another day, I'm sure. <laughs> the well, uh... rabbit hole's a drain. <laughs> 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 Let's talk about Diogo Jota then quickly, uh, James. It, it was one that, uh, I mean, I, I, I speak to a few people as well and uh, I've spoken to you a couple of times as well. And it's not one that I had any inkling of until it looked like all the talk was around Ishmael Assar and then all of a sudden, bang. This was, this was almost the same as that Fabinho moment after the uh, Champions League final in Kiev. It com- caught me completely off guard. It wasn't one that I or anyone at Anfield Index, I mean, we have spoke about him before because on our Under Pressure podcast where the guys look at stats and things like that, they had profiled uh, Jota as being the closest thing to Southampton's Mane, effectively. That was the profiling that was done by the stats and analysts at the time. But it's not someone that was ever really on the transfer radar this summer that's been spoken about in any of the shows that we've done. So how much, how much of a shock to you was that one yeah it was a big surprise um yeah i can't i can't even begin to uh to claim that i knew that one was on the, the on the horizon it was all the talk had been about ishmael assar at watford um him being liverpool's main attacking target we knew that you know we knew that jürgen and michael edwards were looking to kind of ease the burden on the front three and bring in another option um and they, they seemed to move very quickly from Saar to to Jota, I think um, apparently it was it, a lot of it was to do not just with the price, but also the the payment structure of the deals because um, Watford wanted kind of forty million rise into fifty million for Saar, um, including a fair chunk of that money up front. Whilst with Jota, you know, of course, it was forty one million rise into forty five with add-ons. But 
I think Liverpool only have to pay 10% of that fee in the in the next 12 months, which um, clearly in the in this climate of the pandemic was was a really attractive option for Liverpool, especially with you know that fee offset by selling Kajana Hoover to Wolves for I think what for nine million, rising to to 13. So um, yeah, I think it, it was a surprise, but I think the more I thought about it, the more you thought actually, you know, it, it makes perfect sense because. Um, I remember watching him play against Liverpool last season and you just thought he is a clock player in terms of having that combination of technical ability with a a, a real hard graft work ethic as well. And um, 23 years of age, um, you know, big potential, but already has proved himself in the Premier League. And I think he's one of those players that, that Jurgen Klopp will take to the next level. James, how many goals has he scored? Not a huge amount, has he? Well, I never asked you that. I said, how many? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want Do you want exact numbers? Yes, please. Uh, I can. I can get. I can. I, I, I'll just get my PA on the case. <laughs> I've got my phone here. <laughs> Fairness, James. You know James what? has been talking for two minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was a real surprise. Yeah, but. Yet Manny was a surprise as well when Jurgen signed him. So Jurgen's got his own eye for a player, and he's the one that will pick the players and bring them in and decide who's going to go where. And he's best suited to decide who's going to fit into the way that he wants to play. And obviously, you trust Jurgen implicitly with the people that he's bringing in. So Jota's come in. I think we're fortunate to get somebody of the caliber of him to be in because. More often than not, he's going to be playing fourth choice to the three front men. So, I think it's, it's a great signing for us. It's really interesting to see how he, how he does. Because, to be perfectly honest, as, as good as Wolves are, he's taking a step up in the quality of players that he's going to be playing with. So, you'd expect him to get more opportunities. But, a good signing. Uh, I wouldn't worry about the the money. I think the... I wouldn't worry about the fee that was paid to us uh, for for uh, Hoover, because all you do is take that off the one that you, or you take that off is off the debt of what you're paying the other club. So if you get ten million for Hoover and he costs twenty, you're only paying ten million. So it's a, I think it's a, it's a great deal financially and every other way, all round for Liverpool. The young boy I think Hoover you can play might a-, a chance. He, he did all right last year in the <coughs> the League Cup when he, he scored the uh, Milton Keynes Dons with a header. Yeah, he did well. He was he looked a decent player. Uh, but by the way, he's going to get a better opportunity at Wolves than he will at Liverpool. I think. The uh, with with Jota, Kenny. Uh, I don't know how much you'd seen of him. I know you were at Wolves uh, for the game because you're on Sky uh, with with Kelly for that one uh, the the year before last when when Liverpool won there. The uh, what what have you seen of him? Do you think do you feel he's someone that could play across the front three? Could he could he go in on the left? Obviously, is his natural uh, most natural position for Mane. But could he go right for Salah? Could no. he go up top for Firmino? I think one of the two sides, but it's, it seems more of a coincidence that he's left footed probably very comfortable on the right in case something happened to Mo. And he's comfortable on the left as well, but I think he played most of his football for Wolves. So you've got somebody that 
but he knows his way around about the Premier League. He's been in it now all last year and thirty odd appearances. So uh I think I think it'll be a good purchase. I think it'll be maybe need to be a bit patient, but I think it's a good purchase for us. I've got those numbers for you, Kenny. 40, I knew you would. <laughs> 44 goals in 131 games for Wolves. Including Championship. That's so that's we, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't intend to be going down to the Championship, do we? So. We don't intend to go down to the Championship. <laughs> yeah, the calculator out, James. Yeah, seven Premier League goals he scored. Last, what, last season? 34 games. One assist. I'll be lost contact with James here. <laughs> hey, and let me tell you, I bet you the figures, you know the appearance figures, maybe. I bet you the goals and the assists have improved this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Don't doubt that. Kenny, you know, I wanted to just ask you, as from your time as a, a player and a, and a manager, what does bringing in to signings like Tiago and Jota do for the rest of the dressing room? No, I think it's important um, when they've had that so much success, I think it's important to bring new faces in. The dressing room always needs freshened up. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's a couple left. Adam Lallana left, Daisy Lauren left. So you need a couple brought in just numerically anyway. But just to bring it in just for the refreshing up and a strange a, a change of voice within the dressing room amongst the players. It freshens them up a little bit as well, and it keeps their hunger going. So, I think I think it's right to bring people in, and we're fortunate that we've been able to get two people of this quality, because a lot of the teams, a lot of people would look and say, "Well, where am I going to get a game?" Maybe no Thiago, but Jota will be thinking, "Well, where do I get a game?" And then the other hand, he's thinking it's a fantastic opportunity for me. Yeah. Right. So obviously he's gambled on the opportunity, and I, sometimes you bring somebody in because somebody's getting sold. But I don't know what your understanding is of that, James. But I don't know if there's anybody due to be sold that we don't want to sell. My understanding on what in terms of who might go, or no, that there isn't anyone going. That no, like no, no. I think there, I mean, there's a lot of players. There's a lot of players who are, the club are open to offers for, but. Um, no, nothing else definite at this stage. I mean, you'd imagine well, there'd be a lot of interest in people like Harry Wilson and Marco Gruich and, you know, obviously trying to offload people like Loris Karius and, um, you know, they've got a big decision to make on Rian Brewster as well. Yeah, but, but that's uh, Harry Wilson and, and Gruich. That'll be two that'll be playing tomorrow night. That'll be two that maybe play at Lincoln. Because last year we did an awful lot out in loan. Yeah. And they've got them back. Nat Phillips was in Germany on loan. Yeah. So, and he did well. So, there might be a few of them. There might be a, a really strong team. In fact, they might be the first team again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just, uh, I'll close off on the, on the Jota chat because Gags has uh, kindly, producer Gags, I should say, has kindly uh, thrown the stats that Kenny was after. So, we've got a, uh, the 18-19 season, which was Wolves' first in the Premier League, uh, he played 37 games in all competitions and had 10 goals and 7 assists. Last year, there was 42 games in the Premier League in Europe, obviously, for Wolves that year. And there's 13 goals and one assist, which ties in what Kenny was saying. And as Kenny said as well, 
you'd expect all of those numbers to be elevated somewhat playing in, in, in this Liverpool side. So it's going to be a, an interesting one to watch. But I, I'm with Kenny. I think that those stats could, uh, could see a bit of a loft. I'll say he's got a better pace as well. He's quick. So that will not do any harm either. I don't know if he's quicker than any of the uh, money or who's up front, but I tell you, he's quick. He'll be elusive and he'll be he'll be threatening. He's a good one to, even if he's sitting sobbing, the game's getting stretched a wee bit in the second half. Somebody pushing up, trying to save the game, throw him on. I don't think there's too many who'll catch him if he gets away from them. So, no, I think he adds real value to it. Especially where you've got Chamberlain injured as well. Mm. So, that's a good signing. And uh, I assume he, with, with Jota, we're expecting we may see him at Lincoln James or is he one that we, we, we could probably uh, look, to, uh, look to the Premier League for? Is, is it a bit too early for him? No, Pep Linder's indicated that he would be in the squad for Thursday night. So, um, so yeah, I don't, don't really see any, any reason why he, he, he shouldn't hopefully be involved. And yeah, like Kenny said, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he, how he fits in and uh, um, just you know, where Thiago was probably quite a significant break from the club's transfer policy because of his age um, and profile, um, paying that kind of fee for someone who was 29. I think Jota is very much in keeping with the, with the policy of you know, kind of finding players who have, have produced at the top level, but you still feel as if they've got a, a lot of development and growth still to come. I think you look at, you look at the younger players that they, they have at their disposal at the moment. I mean, we've not even mentioned Curtis yet. Curtis is a he's he's a talented player. Yeah, he's we have we have the Elliot who just he played well last year in the games in the the F, uh, League Cup. There's a few young ones there, Billy. Right, there's a few young ones there that are looking the, the, um, to to break forward, and I tell you, they're looking pretty strong. Maybe there was no great need to buy. A load of people, and maybe use the ones, lose the ones that were coming, that were sitting there last year on the bench, that never played as often as they'd like to, and bring in fresh faces. But bringing in the young players is like bringing in a fresh face, and they're more used to working with the first team players as they go up and train at Melwood very often. So, I think uh, I think we could be a little bit stronger this year as a squad than what we were last year. Certainly James, I think the development of the kids. It's a it's a great point. And James, just on that, I think I've heard you speak about this before, but not 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 perhaps in detail. In terms of the squad profile at Liverpool, we do say all those players Kenny mentioned. They're all in that sort of age seventeen to twenty one, twenty two bracket. And then this seems to be part of the plan. And with Minamino, with Jota, then you really take a jump, and you're up to the sort of twenty eight plus. 27, 28 plus level of player. There is a gap there, isn't there, in the squad planning for the next evolution of this this side that it does seem that they're proactively trying to uh, to fill that gap age profile-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I certainly think so. I think um, that, that's going to be one of the most intriguing things for me going forward over the next three or four years, how, how Jurgen Klopp does start to almost build a, a second great Liverpool team because, you know, it's. I don't think he's ever had, the, the you know, that that challenge in his career so far, because of course it was Dortmund obviously evolved pretty quickly, mainly because he, he tended to lose his best players, to, you know, whether it was Bayern or, 
coming and cherry picking and um you know when you when you think what well, he's under contract till 2024 and i think he was quoted like this week as saying you know i'll decide come then whether whether i want to stay around for even longer but of course by 2024 you're talking about you know the front three all being 32 33 years of age you know of course jordan henderson would be 34 you know virgil van dyke similar um so that that is going to be one of the, the really fascinating things to watch, you know, how how you try and develop these younger players, keep them, and, and the challenge obviously for Klopp, as for any other top manager, is to keep them hungry and motivated by trying to ensure that there's enough football for them to play, to to, to want them to, to stay put and for them to see that pathway is there for them. Well, if Jürgen wants to get rid of any of the players that's in and around the first team, there's only two things that need to happen. You either need to have a good replacement indoors or you found a good replacement to go and bring them in. So there's only he will decide and I'm glad it's in his hands to decide because he's no bad judge. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been it's been in your hands once before, Kenny. And I mean let's let's rewind it back. When when you took over as player manager, guys you had shared a dressing room for years you very quickly had to replace some of those. Uh, the likes of Phil Neal, Alan Kennedy moved on very, very quickly when you when you took over as manager. And obviously other guys like Steve Nicol at right back, Jim Beglin came in at left back. So you you have been in that position yourself before. Yeah, but the, the lads never moved until October. Nearly and never moved to Bolton as a player manager until October. And... Uh, that was, I mean, at the start of the season, I think they met Alan Kennedy, went to Newcastle. Uh, no, he was going to sign for Newcastle and took a detour and went to Sunderland. <laughs> you, never had, you never had ways then. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Sunderland. Um, but we made, we made a lot of changes then. Right, well, I don't know what a lot is, but six, seven changes and it was seamless because it was done quietly and just people brought in. The big year when, when four players came in or three or four players came in was when John Barnes, Aldo came in first in January, John Barnes came in. Uh, that was 1987. 87. Uh, Ray Houghton came in, Peter Beersley came in. So, we weren't in the habit of making too many changes, but if somebody's got to move on, then they've got to move on. You can't, you can't stand still. And as I say, for for Neely, who was a fantastic servant and won the most medals of anybody at Anfield, then it was it was quite a tough decision to make, both for myself and obviously for for Phil to go to Bolton. Alan Kennedy was the same. I mean, it scored what. The winning goal in three, two European Cup finals, and scored a goal against uh, um, Manchester United in the Cup final at Wembley in the Milk Cup final, I think. So he was a he'd made a bit of a contribution to the football club as well. But comes a stage when people have got to move on, and it wasn't through lack of gratitude for them of what they'd done for the club. It was just. To be honest, it was an opportunity for them as well to step forward uh, and move on, have a life after Liverpool. But we, we made uh, Steve McMahon come in in 85. He came in and joined us and 
Jan Moby started to play, Craig Johnson started to play, uh, we Paul Wall started to play up front, uh, who'd done brilliant up until January and broke his wrist. So there was a there was a few changes, but it didn't seem like it. Yeah, so squad planning is going to be something that's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, like what James said there, Jürgen's never really had this opportunity to do this. I mean, at Dortmund, all his best players were cherry-picked generally by Bayern Munich. So, I mean, he's in the situation now where he's the kingpin, if you like, and he can make those decisions as he sees fit. So it's going to be fascinating to uh, sit back and watch that. But before we before we finish off the show, I wanted to talk about a couple other things. Obviously, we have Arsenal coming up, James, and they've been... Uh, been a bit of a thorn in the side, shall we say? Not not in games that have meant much, though. Is the uh, is a sort of caveat to that. Obviously, there was that game that uh, we lost at the Emirates uh, last year, where we seemed to be all over them. And then there was the Community Shield, which was technically a draw before the uh, the lucky bag of the penalty shootout. Uh, I've seen some stuff and I've read some stuff. Not not that you've written, I should add, but I've seen some stuff uh, that says that Mikel Arteta may have the better of Jurgen Klopp. He may be uh, he may be a bit of an Achilles heel to him. Uh, hopefully, we can dispel that come Monday night. But what are your thoughts on what Mikel Arteta's done at Arsenal and how uh, how Liverpool will approach this match? Uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've been impressed actually by 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 what Arteta has done down there because when he took over. It just, I, I thought maybe, you know, relatively inexperienced as a as a coach, and you thought there just seemed so much to sort out there that it was it was a hell of a challenge he was taking on, and um, they put a few of them. I remember watching them a few times early on, and you just thought, oh my god, you know that that is a one hell of a job. But you know they finished last season really well, and they've started this season, um, you know, in, in decent fashion as well, and they. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's got Jurgen Klopp's number by any stretch of the imagination, but there were similarities between the game at the, the Emirates at the back end of last season and the Community Shield at Wembley in terms of just sitting deep, thwarting Liverpool in terms of their efforts to break them down and then hitting them on the counter-attack. And, you know, of course, at the Emirates, they were given a you know a massive helping hand by you know the, the, the really uncharacteristic mistakes from Van Dijk and Alisson. Um, and then you know the one at Wembley, they beat the press, and um, you know it was a, a, a fantastic finish from from Aubameyang. So um, you know I, I think that's why I, I think we'll see Thiago. I'd, I'd be surprised if Thiago didn't almost play from the start against Arsenal on Monday night. If as you know, as long as Klopp thinks he's he's got the legs in him and he's fit enough um, to do so, because I just think against a team like Arsenal and the way they'll set up. I, I just think his his passing ability could be absolutely huge on the night. I think the team for Monday is a wee bit too far ahead to try and predict. But I think what the one thing you will do is you look to see what you have available first. And Fabinho might be forced into playing centre-back again. We don't yeah. know the situation with Joe or, or, or Marta. But you might be forced to play centre-back. And it might... It might no, by choice, I've put Thiago in right away. But if he has to put him in, by the way, he won't be a problem if he can sit in there. Jordan might not be fit to play midfield. So he's running out of options a wee bit. But I think Arsenal have done particularly well. And I think it's interesting to see that what they've done. He's got the couple of the flair boys up, up front, Obama Yang and Lacassette. Uh, Saz has done quite well. Is it Saz, the left-footed right winger? Saz? Yeah, say, 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 say
he looks half decent. He looks quite promising. Um, so he's got one or two people that, that can uh, enlighten the place, but he's got more people stopping him playing. So I think he's built up his, his tree at the back and he played at Fulham the first game. They were pretty tight, pretty organised. Uh, not a great threat, really, but pretty well organised. And They won away. They won away with the game easy. But for us, it's a company Anfield to play against. This is a big test for them. And I think although they'll be they'll be a difficult opposition, I don't think they're I think they've done better since Arteta went in. I think he's done a really good job. But I don't think they'll I don't think he's done enough to prevent us from winning on Monday night. Saka, of course, is the is the player, isn't it? That's Saka, you, were you were misleading me there, Ed. Yeah. yeah. I was going down a, going down another one of those rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, obviously they they firmed up at the back a bit with Gabriel coming in as well, James uh, Arsenal, which was one of the criticisms of them. I remember hearing last year that everyone was saying that Liverpool wouldn't take any of Arsenal's first choice defenders, and how often have we been able to say that in the past? When you think of all the great defenses that Arsenal's have compared to Liverpool, it shows how much one Liverpool have evolved as a defensive unit, but two, obviously Arsenal needed to strengthen in that area this summer and it looks a good player that they've, they've, they've brought in there. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's done well and I just think they look so much more solid all round they? since since Arteta's really been able to get to work. I like, I like the fact as well he seems to have you know instilled a real greater sense of discipline. You know, he doesn't seem to take any, any messing about. I think that was probably uh, an issue previously as well and I think just the whole when you watch them play now, you can see there's a clear plan, and they look well organised. And and you know, before that, I think we all know that you you know you'd almost be licking your lips at the prospect of playing Arsenal because you know although they could hurt you going one way, you just knew that Liverpool would do a a huge amount of damage to them going the other way. And you know, the, this fixture does tend to absolutely guarantee goals. One that in I think we beat them what three one at Anfield last season, five one the season before that, four nil. 3-1 the two years before that so um yeah i don't think it'll uh, i don't think it'll be quite on that level this time around just because i think arsenal are are a different arsenal now but um yeah still on, on the back of I, I thought i thought liverpool were absolutely brilliant down at chelsea um in terms of getting that control back in their game which they i think they lost at, on the back of winning the league when I, I think human nature dictates that you probably ease off a little bit and then that rolled over into the Leeds game but um, no I think it, it's got the makings of a really good game but I still think Liverpool will be too strong for them I think he's done well changing the, the set up as well he's got Tierney in left-sided centre-back he's done really well for them in there whether that will stay there with Martinez coming in I know what's his name the, the left centre-back they've signed Gabriel. Gabriel. Whether they leave him there and put uh, put Tierney to left back or put him in as beside the centre back remains to be seen. But what he has done, the boy Holden came from Bolton for two million pounds when Arsene Wenger was there and struggled a good bit. He's been out the door a few times, according to reports in the paper. And he's he's one of the first ones he's pushed down in paper there. And he's he's done quite well for them, but I still I still don't see them. They've also got the got the centre back for Flamenco, uh, who played against Liverpool in the World Club Championship. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm there stuck are. on a name for that one. That's with an S. <laughs> That's with an S. Fierce, come on. <laughs> you need you need I your Jota stats and your flamingo stats, James. Uh, Check it. Is it Sally? Is it Mari? Pablo Mari. Starts with an S, James. Starts with an S. <laughs> I should have known. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, William, William's a good side as well. He played, he played well. He played yeah. well, Mary. He played well in the World yeah. Cup. So they're quite strong. They're quite strong, but I still, I still can't see Liverpool slipping up. It won't be easy, and they know it won't be. But you're always comfortable with Liverpool at home. The Leeds game was a great game. Uh, and I don't think it was Liverpool's inability to defend. I mean, if some of the goals, Leeds goals were great goals. So no, I, th- I think I think we were. Uh, I think we'll be all right against Arsenal. But they have we, moved on. They have moved onwards and upwards. You mentioned the home record there, Kenny. You mentioned that Liverpool at home, obviously, our, our record is incredible at home. I mean, I've seen the banter stats out this week about uh, Donny van der Beek's played one game for Man United and, and, and lost, and Sadio Mane's played at Liverpool for three years and uh, four years and never lost at home. Uh, I mean, it's quite incredible, that home record. But we have seen the, the trend with these games behind closed doors, with no fans in the stadium, that uh, home records seem to... Uh, be less important than they were obviously before the lockdown period and it does look like with the government's announcement yesterday in the Premier League statement that these behind closed doors games could become something of a fixture sadly for this season probably in in the main we could be looking at next spring before we see fans in in stadiums again do you think Kenny that that puts Liverpool's home home position at at risk a a little bit more than it may have done with the with the fans being inside the ground well when the, when it, the Bundesliga started, the away teams had a great record yeah. in the fixtures uh, when they had to play behind closed doors. Maybe it takes the pressure away a wee bit. Maybe the away teams feel under more pressure, or some of them did. But as for Liverpool, it doesn't matter where they play. They're, they're going out to, to win the game, and they're capable of winning most of the games, if not all of the games they play in. And if they were highly unlikely, you're going to win all your games, but they've got a great chance to win them. And whether they the, the players are all they're all get half used to playing without a crowd there, and a lot of people get nervous before a crowd. I'm sure they still get nervous before the games, but they don't get as anxious. And I think some of the players might be a little bit more relaxed at the same time, just the same determination to get the result. But they might be a little bit more anxious, less anxious than what they are with thousands of people in there. And you go. You go and you see them playing, whether that uh, no crowd being in made the Leeds game such an exciting game or no, who would know? Only time would tell. Leeds might have responded because there was nobody in there. It might have been a wee bit hectic for them or too much if just coming up for the, the championship. But for Liverpool and any other team, they're used to playing without people in the ground now. And it, you know it is different and you can't turn around and say, well, it was different because that's why we lost. There was no punters in the ground. That's what it is. It was great for everybody when you win a game. It doesn't matter if there's no one there. So you kind of use it as an excuse when you lose a game. You just go, you take it, what you've got to do. You know what you've got to do. You're used to it. We'll go and do it because you're good enough. So we've, we've, we've I think we've 
well overcome that, whereas some of the other teams might still be might still be focused on it. Well, you shall both be there on Monday night, so I'm sure you'll both be looking forward to go, to going back along to Anfield. I know James obviously was there for the Leeds game, but Kenny, this will be your first game at Anfield this uh, this season. I'm, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to going back, mask in, uh, mask in hand, and uh, I hope... Uh, that all Liverpool fans can enjoy what James, as James said there, it's been a high scoring game uh, in, in previous seasons. And uh, I'm sure Liverpool would take any of those score lines that James read out again, uh, come, come Monday night. I, I just wanted to finish off the show by talking about a couple of our other rivals. Uh, obviously we've seen everyone now, uh, Man City played at Wolves era. They're obviously a game back from everyone else with their late return. Uh, they look quite impressive. I thought, even though there was that slight, uh, slight jitter at the end, but they are, they are struggling a bit injury wise, Kenny, they're, they're, they're missing, Laporte and they seem to be missing Aguero for what could be a while now uh, Man City never have had a problem obviously when when things are going their way in games they do seem to attack well uh, no matter who they're playing but they did come unstuck a couple of times uh, last season in, in, in the games where the, the pressure seemed to be rammed up a bit or they went an early goal down uh, they didn't seem to react to that too well uh, are we still expecting the main challenge to come from, from Pep Guardiola and Man City this season? I think they'll be there they'll be the number one challenge They'll be the biggest threat, I think. Um, I mean, they, they are a fantastic team. They played really well uh, at Rules the other night there. And they, are, they, are, they are a threat. And last year, I know we beat them and they had to beat them here and lost over there. But when when they, they lost to Rules last year in the first game, or one of the first games of the season, they lost points to them. So they lost points in two or three other places, which made it all the more decisive for us and important for us to win the games, to stretch it, because that was really unusual for them. The year before, they had an unbelievable run, and we were running right beside them, but just couldn't catch them up. So I think it's logical to think that Man City will be there again. De Bruyne, was, he was exceptional the other night there at Molyneux. And, uh, although they've lost Silva, uh, they're, still, they're still a really, really strong team and they'll be the biggest threat. But I think Chelsea spent a lot of money and there's no really the amount of money they spend. It's the quality of player that they bring in and you never know what it's going to be like. As, as good as the players have been somewhere else, doesn't mean to say they're going to adapt to, to the way that you want them to play. So, yeah, because they spent money doesn't mean they're going to be up there. But there's a good chance they will be. Uh, they played really well up here last year. Was it four three game when they brought the four one down? They brought on two subs five three. That was the season before. No, last year. Yeah, but the, the night we got they the brought, trophy. Aye, they brought two oh, subs sorry. on. Sorry, they brought two subs on. And by the way, yeah, Pulisic. They were brilliant. By the way, Pulisic scored a great goal and made one. Yeah. So Chelsea will be a threat. Uh, Manchester United strengthened they could be a threat Tottenham off to a bad start um, it'll be interesting to see how they recover getting Gareth Bale in and how long it takes him to settle down and try and produce his form so I think it'll be the same protagonist this year as it was the last two years going for first and second place 
And James, as someone who's working on the front line of, of this in terms of reporting and transfers, I mean, just taking it away from Liverpool briefly, which I'm sure you'll be quite glad I'm going to ask you it this way, is uh, are you expecting the, the rivals to do much transfer-wise? I mean, how busy are you expecting some of your colleagues at The Athletic to be on deadline day, shall we say, this year? I mean, obviously it's far later than it normally is. It's right in the midst of, uh, of the battle, if you like, as the season's, uh, the season's well underway now. How busy a deadline day do you expect this to be? Yeah, I mean, as Kenny said, then I'd, I'd be amazed if United didn't have a, a busy end to the window just because I think um, that that defeat to Crystal Palace in that kind of chastening fashion at the weekend, I think, is almost you know, bound, to, bound to lead to them getting the checkbook out because I think you know, they've only made, obviously, that one, one sign-in so far. And you, you look at the weaknesses in that team and if... If they're serious about challenging this season, that they're they're going to have to they're going to have to splash some cash before the the window shuts. Um, I mean, City have been an interesting one. I think I, I thought they looked ridiculously sharp the other night, considering you know the you know the not the ideal in terms of a late end to last season and um, you know a shortish preseason, but um, you know De Bruyne sensational. But I, I know. Nathan Aki is a decent young defender, but I'm not sure he's going to transform that back line. You know, he's not he's not in the same calibre as someone like Virgil Van Dijk. I think I'd have been more concerned about City if they'd gone out and signed someone like Kula Bali. Um, you know, there's still some some talk that that deal might might still happen, and I think you know if they were to go and do something like that, that would that would suddenly I think make them much more of a threat. But um, but no, it's, yeah, I think um, you know Liverpool are pretty pretty adamant that they're done in terms of incomings, and that it'll just be about outgoings from now to the end of the window. Um, so largely, we can we can watch what hopefully watch the mayhem unfold elsewhere, and uh, hopefully it'll be a quiet end to the window. <laughs> Kenny, you've been involved in a couple of those transfer deadline days before and uh, everything that goes on. It, it can't be easy for managers and for players when it all comes down to that final day. Oh, sometimes it's almost like brickmanship, isn't it? They want to go right to the wire or they say, no, it's going to be this price. And then when they realise they're not getting it, they come back in and say, well, we'll give you it for this or give you it for less than what you were, what you were offered. Then you've got to be interested. but. I don't think um, it's not the spending of the money that's important. The people tend, tend to think that because you, you spend money, you're going to buy success. You're not going to buy success. It's the players that get you the success. Yeah, you bring the players in, but if the player isn't producing good, you have no chance. You have no chance. So everybody's got money. And the good fortune for Liverpool, right, apart from being as good as they are, is they've got players, right? And they've also got money to compete at a certain level. But you have more, most of the clubs, right? If not all of the clubs, have more money than there are good players available. So you don't get, you don't get better quick if you've got money, if you can't buy the players. 
There we go. We'll set an anticipation of what will happen on the uh, on transfer deadline day for sure. And uh, we'll round up the show. Uh, James, is there uh, much to look forward to from you? Have you got much planned this week? Uh, what, what should people be looking for on the athletic? I know you and Simon have been very busy with a lot of the uh, the content of late. There's been some excellent stuff on there, but can we expect much in the, in the coming weeks? Yeah, yeah, just working on getting some stuff lined up for the for the next few weeks. I'm obviously I'm, uh, I'm off to off to Lincoln tomorrow night, so looking forward to that. See what um, what topics and issues that that throws up, and then um, yeah, just uh, then all all guns ahead then to uh, to Arsenal on Monday night. So uh, yeah, the games come thick and fast now, don't they? So uh, yeah, loads of loads of stuff coming up. I know Simon's working on a few exciting things at the moment. So that'll be on the athletic in the next, uh, the next week or two. Good stuff. And Kenny, what you'll you, be making your, re- sorry. What good on. exciting things? Transfer news, you mean? No, no, oh. no, not, nothing, nothing exciting like that. Just, just, <laughs> just some good, in, good interviews, Kenny. No, I like that rules me out. <laughs> and Kenny you'll be looking forward to as we say going back to Anfield no doubt on uh, on Monday night uh, uh, for your first game of the season there uh, I'm, I'm sure the, the Sky cameras will pan up to you a couple of times as is their way they always seem to do that so we we'll hope you're uh, looking as fabulous as you do today and are as well as you are today uh, after hey, recovering from your hey, sarcasm sarcasm is the lowest form of wit <laughs> <laughs> well we'll only throw it in occasionally then uh, I'll thank everyone for uh, listening to this latest episode of The King and AI as ever please do give us your feedback the best way is on our, our free discord community all Liverpool fans are enjoyed invited to join that free community it's at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord alternatively do leave us your feedback on twitter kenny is uh as he said earlier in the show he's trying his best to uh, to master that platform of twitter oh. he's at kenneth dalgleish on there or of course it's a uh, james Pier at james pierce lfc is that right james uh yeah at james pierce lfc that's the one at- at James Pierce LFC. I'm sure literally everyone listening already follows that account, but uh, if you don't, then you should be. And I'm at Eddie Gibbs. Uh, just in closing that important reminder, once again, if you enjoy listening to this show as much as we enjoy uh, recording it for you, then we ask that one thing, please head on over to anfieldindex.com forward slash MDA and donate whatever you can to the Marina Dalgleish appeal. We really do appreciate it. So thank you, James. Thank you for joining us uh, short notice. I, I know I only got in touch with you yesterday to organize this. So thanks for dropping everything straight after the press conference and uh, and joining Kenny and myself on the show today no problem absolute pleasure and for his wisdom and insight once again thank you to the fabulous looking Sir Kenny Dalgleish I'd like to reciprocate that Ed but it couldn't be possible (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening everyone and we'll play you out in the words once again of Kelly Cates thank you for listening Thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. There is one more thing that you could do, but it doesn't really require any effort. If you use Amazon, if you go to smile.amazon.co.uk, there's an option to select a charity. If you select the Marina Dalgleish appeal, then every time you make a purchase at Amazon, they will make a donation to the charity. All you have to do is use smile.amazon.co.uk as your website to buy things from Amazon. It should, in theory, be quite straightforward. Thanks very much again. Podcast Network.